Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program, which today is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You know, basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season, and they're gearing up for the playoffs. Now, some teams are locks to make the postseason, and others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the title. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game, and if during that game the team of your choosing hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three, and they don't even need to win the game. This year, teams have been hitting threes at an unprecedented rate, so get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook before this offer ends. DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is episode 27 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, and uh, very excited about this show. Uh, Grizzlies playing really good basketball right now, and we'll talk about that in That Was the Week That Was. As per usual, we'll have some Petey's points on the Grizzlies' recent play. And then we're going to give you some NBA story time. Grizzlies will be taking on the New York Knicks coming up, and I've got a New York Knicks-Madison Square Garden-related story that I want to share with you. Did get a question on Twitter, so we'll open up the mailbag for that question. And then our friend of the program today, you know him well. If you have been around the NBA for any period of time, you know the name of Mike Breen, you know the voice the lead voice of the NBA on ESPN and the longtime radio and now television voice of the New York Knicks. Good friend of mine, good supporter of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, by the way. He is our friend of the program. Great conversation with Mike from his home in New York, and we'll talk about the New York Knicks and um, remote broadcasting and what it has been like to call games for ESPN literally from his basement. So that's what we got going on in today's episode 27 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. So let's get to that was the week that was. Grizzlies have played two games since we last visited. They remain out on the road, of course, on Easter Sunday. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers in Philadelphia. Then the Grizzlies go to Miami. And the Grizzlies, man, this was one of their most complete efforts. Uh, And when you think about the Philadelphia game and the Miami game back-to-back, 96 minutes of fantastic basketball from the Grizzlies. Grizzlies go into Miami, and Miami is the best paint defensive team in the league, averaging giving up 40 paint points per game. The Grizzlies drop 50 on them. The Grizzlies shoot 55% from the floor, and then the Grizzlies make 17 threes. These are are numbers that we've not seen from the Grizzlies in quite some time. Their consistent three-point shot making has really been sensational. Grizzlies would lead by as many as 19 in this game, and the Grizzlies were shorthanded here. Brandon Clark, sore left calf, obviously no Jaron Jackson Jr. DeAnthony Melton, uh, Dwight Howard landed on his left leg on Easter Sunday, and so that leg is sore. He was inactive for the game. Justice Winslow remains on the bench and uh, with a right thigh injury, but the Grizzlies 
put six in double figures, including two off the bench. Desmond Bain with 15, Xavier Tillman with 11 as he goes for double digits for the second time in the last three games. Dylan Brooks, fantastic. A 28-point game for Dylan. Five of nine from three. Really had it cooking uh, against the Miami Heat with a 23-point third quarter. Uh, and the Grizzlies would go on to win at 124-112. to Jimmy Butler, the quietest 28 points I think I've ever seen. Bam Adebayo with his second triple-double of the year. 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. Victor Oladipo, 16, and Duncan Robinson with 14 did hit four threes. Tyler Hero also hit four threes. He had 19 off the bench for the Miami Heat. Uh, Heat played well, uh, 54% shooting, 13 of 33 from three, perfectly acceptable. Only 11 of 18 from the free throw line. Uh, they did give up 24 points on 14 turnovers. Grizzlies were very opportunistic in that way, uh, and the Grizzlies go on to win it. And they go two games above 500 at this point, 25 and 23, as they beat the Miami Heat. Impressive game for the Grizzlies as they were in control the vast majority of this game. Now, Wednesday, they go into Atlanta, where last year they blew out the Atlanta Hawks, and they do the same thing again this year. 131 to 113. Grizzlies were down 14 early. They come back, and they're within five. After the first quarter. And if you're the Grizzlies, you really had to feel good that you were within five. Because the first quarter, Grizzlies came out flat. Both teams were on the second of a back-to-back. Hawks did not have to travel. They played the night before and beat the New Orleans Pelicans by making 23s. Grizzlies obviously had played the night before uh, and flying in from Miami. So they were were a little flat to start the game. They rebounded. They had the lead at halftime. And then in the third quarter, it was amazing. John Morant, Grayson Allen take over the game in the third quarter. Dylan Brooks had the big first quarter. Valanchunas double-figure scoring in the second quarter. And then Allen and Morant went off in the third quarter. Grayson Allen finishes with a season-high 30 points. Very efficient night for him, 10 of 18 from the floor, 3 of 9 from 3, got to the free throw line eight times. And what was huge about this is that the Grizzlies shot 21 free throws, and the Atlanta Hawks live at the free throw line. They get about 18% of their offense from the free throw line. Grizzlies limited them to 15 free throw attempts and only two for Trey Young, who is second in the NBA in free throws attempted per game and number one in free throw makes per game. They held Trey Young to 14 points. Again, the Grizzlies were shorthanded in this game. No Brandon Clark, no Jackson, no Melton, no Winslow. Hawks were missing a lot of guys, too, as they did not have Clint Capella. His Achilles was acting up. No John Collins, no Chris Dunn, which they really haven't had him all year anyway. Uh, Hunter and Reddish also out uh, in this basketball game. But the Grizzlies just handled their business. They led by as many as 26 at one point, outscored the Hawks 17-4 to in transition, and 60 pain points for the Grizzlies. 30 assists, again, for the Grizzlies. I think fourth time in the last six games. So right now, this this team is really locked in, and they go three games above 500 for the first time since, uh, I think, early February. Uh, and the Grizzlies really rolling now as they have won four in a row. They are perfect on the road trip, and they go to New York trying to complete the sweep of the four-game road trip. Grizzlies playing really good basketball right now. 3-0 and on the road trip. Four wins in a row overall. And oh, by the way, Atlanta had won seven in a row at home. They had not lost at home since mid-February, but the Grizzlies took them down on Wednesday night. And that was the week that was.
All right, let's get to some PD's points. And the first one is fairly obvious to anybody who's watching the games. This team is really locked in. They're locked in defensively. They're locked in offensively. Uh, they are so focused on each possession. And this is one of the things that is very big with Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff. Get to the next play. Don't worry about what happened on the last play. Don't think two plays ahead. Just play the play that is in front of you. And we're seeing the Grizzlies on this road trip, their game plan discipline. Defensively, they are on a string. Offensively, they're making the extra pass. And the Grizzlies right now, frankly, are they're just very hot shooting the basketball. Now, that's not going to last forever, but the habits that the Grizzlies are showing on this road trip are habits that will serve you well throughout the rest of the season and hopefully into the postseason. They're just playing solid basketball. They're playing together. This is a team that does not have egos. There's nobody looking for shots. There's nobody looking for glory. There's nobody looking for minutes. Uh, sometimes, in fact, you, you wish John Morant would be a little bit more emphatic, uh, which he was in the third quarter in Atlanta after a very, very quiet first half. But this is a team that is really locked in right now. Brings me to Petey's point number two. That's a little surprising because the Grizzlies are the only team in the league with an active roster, no one older than 28. Oklahoma City is technically the youngest team in the NBA by average age, but the Grizzlies don't have anybody over the age of 28. Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas are the two oldest Grizzlies. This is not a very experienced team. This is not a very old team. But you know what? They have come together, and as Grayson Allen will tell you, we just got a bunch of hoopers. And that's pretty cool because normally in the NBA, young and inexperienced players will get you beat. Uh, and, and they will not win you a lot of games. But this is a young and inexperienced team that is learning how to win. And again, I credit the Grizzlies front office, and this is a refrain that Brevin and I have sung for, for some time now. There is value in drafting players who have been in school for more than a year or two. And you look at guys like Xavier Tillman, you look at guys like Desmond Bain, these are guys that spent significant time in college and really developed their games. They were more NBA-ready. Their bodies were more NBA-ready. Their basketball IQ was developed to a sharper point so that when they get to the NBA, they are really ready to contribute. And that, I think, has, has been a huge, huge boon to this Grizzlies team as they have one of the best benches in the NBA, and it's got to be one of the youngest benches in the NBA. Finally, one of the Graybeards, and I use that phrase advisedly because he really isn't all that old, is, is Jonas Valanciunas, and he's having a career year. Grizzlies don't run a ton of plays for him. Uh, he's leading the league in second-chance points at a little more than five per game. About a third of his offense comes off second-chance scores, which is a, a huge amount in the NBA. Playing great basketball, and in talking with Taylor Jenkins, he said one of the things about Valanciunas's development is that he – can play the game within the game. It's, it's not merely making shots, boxing out, getting rebounds, but how he reads situations, how he makes decisions on the basketball floor, and how his basketball IQ has flourished in the last couple of years here in Memphis. And I, I, it's great to see. It is so much fun to watch Jonas pile up double-double after double-double. He's got 12 in a row as of this recording going into the New York Knicks game. It is the longest streak of his career. He's the best rebounder, both offensively and overall, since the All-Star break, putting up fantastic numbers, having a career year. And where would the Grizzlies be without Jonas Valanciunas? I understand that he can't play, or you don't want him to play 35, 36 minutes and be guarding pick and rolls the entire time and having him run all over the floor. But his, he is not the defensive liability that I think some people feel that he is. 
Um, like I said, you know, you don't want against pick and pop centers. He's, he's going to struggle. Okay. There, there's no doubt about that, but he does have a place in this league does have a place on this team. And he presents a matchup nightmare for the other team. Cause there are very few players in this league that can match up with Valanchunas on a physical basis. So, you know, if, if you, if the other team's playing a stretch five, yeah, Valanchunas may struggle a little bit defensively, but on the other end, the Grizzlies are going to have their way offensively because Jonas is just just a beast in the paint. And those are the PD's points for today. I had mentioned that the Grizzlies will be going to New York for a Friday night game against the New York Knicks. We'll preview that with Mike Breen coming up a little bit later on in today's episode. Uh, Grizzlies then will return home. They've got a Saturday date with the Indiana Pacers and then a Monday night date against the Chicago Bulls at home. Well, like I said, Grizzlies are going to New York, and that brings us to this NBA story time. Go back to the 2007-2008 season. It was the only season that Juan Carlos Navarro played for the Memphis Grizzlies. They called him La Bamba, great three-point shooter, and he was joining Marcus Gasol. And the two Spaniards were uh, going to do some good things for the Memphis Grizzlies never really worked out for Juan Carlos. He came to Memphis, played in the NBA. I don't know that he was ever happy in Memphis, and that's nothing against the city. I just think he was away from home. It was unfamiliar surroundings for him. I don't know that he ever felt comfortable. Uh, And so I just love watching him play, love watching him make threes, but uh, it it just never worked out for him here, and it was only one year that he stayed in Memphis. However, my favorite Juan Carlos Navarro memory. And if you have listened to our broadcasts, and periodically you may hear us refer to Madison Square Garden as the mythical gym, the reason that we do that is Juan Carlos Navarro. You go back to March 21st, 2008. Grizzlies are in New York. They are taking on the New York Knicks. And Juan Carlos is having one of the better games he had as a Memphis Grizzly. Finished with 17 points, 5 boards, 4 assists. Shot 4 of 10 from 3 in a 120-106 victory over the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Juan Carlos is playing well. And we start to hear chanting and cheering from the upper regions of Madison Square Garden. And we look up and it turns out there was a group of exchange students from Spain that were going to school in the city, and they had gotten tickets to go see one of their national heroes, Juan Carlos Navarro, play for the Memphis Grizzlies. After the game, Juan Carlos was asked about it. He was very happy. Uh, He acknowledged the cheers uh, of the Spanish crowd in the audience that night at Madison Square Garden, and Juan Carlos Navarro said, I am so happy that I played so well here in the mythical gym. Everybody else calls it the world's most famous arena, Juan Carlos Navarro called it the mythical gym. So the next time you're watching the Grizzlies on Bally Sports Southeast, and we refer to the mythical gym, now you know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. And that's today's NBA story time. This is the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. This is episode 27 coming your way. And today, it's being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community, and their alumni include major college and NBA players. For more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City.
And you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Pranica, P-E-T-E-P-R-A-N-I-C-A. If you want to uh, send me a, a message, send me a DM, ask uh, some questions, always happy to open up the mailbag, which we will do in just a moment. But first, hope you enjoy the podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, your neighbors, your other Grizzlies fans, any NBA fans, anybody that's looking for what we hope is a pretty interesting listen. Uh, please do subscribe to the Grizz Weekly Grind. Let us know if uh, we are going in the right direction and if we're providing the content that you are enjoying and that you would like. And if you have any suggestions, we're always open to those as well. So please subscribe, rate, review the Grizz Weekly Grind. Only one question in the mailbag today, which is perfectly fine, but it's a question that came over the transom a couple of weeks ago, and I want to make sure that I answer it. It's also from one of our very valued listeners, not only of the podcast, but also of uh, the Grizzlies telecasts. He's always watching on his phone on NBA League Pass, and we thank him for that. Asking the question, what is that thing that players step on before they go on the court? It is essentially fly paper for your shoes. It's, it's, it's sticky paper, uh, sticky film really, not paper, that players step on, and it's to remove any stray dirt, dust, debris off the bottom of their shoes so they get the best grip when they're on the floor. There are usually two of them, one at the entrance to the court and then one in front of the official score at the scorer's table. So when the players walk out from the locker room and before they actually set foot onto the hardwood, there's usually one place there that they just walk over to clean off their shoes. And then more often than not, when they check into the game, they go to the official score, they report in, and then they'll, they'll wipe their feet on that sticky film. Tony Allen was always famous for wanting to have a brand new piece of film on top because you, you peel the layers off. After a while, you know, the, the top layer gets covered with, with dirt and, and, and debris or whatever. And so the players will, will, will tear the top sheet off. Uh, Tony Allen was always tearing that top sheet off. He was always crumpling it and then throwing it behind the scorer's table, which there, there, there's no trash can there. But that was Tony. Tony just felt, you know what, I need, an, I need, a, clean, I need a clean film to clean my kicks. And um, that was Tony Allen, one of his many idiosyncrasies and very much beloved for all of the aforementioned idiosyncrasies. So hopefully that answers the question. It, it, it's actually a product called Slipknot, uh, and that's what you will find at NBA arenas, and that is what the players are stepping on. And that brings us to the final segment of today's show of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Really happy to be able to make contact with Mike Breen, longtime radio and now television voice of the New York Knicks, also the lead voice for the NBA on ESPN. He has called a record 17 NBA finals and not only an outstanding broadcaster, a great person, great supporter of, of other broadcasters. And um, I have a fond memory. A couple of years ago, uh, I was doing some NBA playoff games for NBA TV on a national basis, and I got assigned to Game 5 Utah at Oklahoma City. It was a memorable game because Oklahoma City was absolutely dead in the water. Um, they were down 15 points at half. The building was stone silent. And then Russell Westbrook went crazy, finished with 45 points in the game. Oklahoma City outscores Utah 66-43 in the second half. And it's a 107-99 victory for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Place is going absolutely bananas. And it was one of the most remarkable scoring performances I have ever witnessed in person. And when you're doing a game like that, 
and you're seeing a big rally and you're seeing a star like Russell Westbrook go off and you know that this is on national TV, you are you are hyper focused and you also want to make sure that you do not screw it up and that you want to do the game justice. And uh, I, I did, you know, I, I thought I did the best job that I possibly could. And and I remember by the time the final buzzer had sounded and I had gotten into the courtesy car to take me back to the hotel in Oklahoma City, there was already a text from Mike Breen saying, you were fantastic tonight and great job and congratulations and all that. That's the type of guy that Mike Breen is. Uh, he watches a ton of games, very, very supportive, not only of me, but of other broadcasters. And uh, we look at him as, as a big brother figure and a Hall of Fame broadcaster and a Hall of Fame person. And so without further ado, Let's get to today's friend of the program, the one and only Mike Breen. Mike, first of all, broadcasting remotely. You were in the bubble in Orlando right through the finals, of course, and then doing games remotely again this year. I would imagine that your frequent flyer account is taking quite a, quite a hit, but how challenging has it been doing games remotely? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Pete. The, the number one thing all this time that to me has affected uh, the way we call the games and to me is at an impact on on how well I'm doing is not having the fans. Um, there was a there was a quote that I heard. This was back early on when when there were no fans in the stands this was back in the bubble. And it was uh, the fans are the oxygen of sports. And it is so true. And we all knew that they were important. But I don't think at least. I had no idea just how important they are, not only in terms of just for the enjoyment of, of the game and how it makes it better, but how it affects our calls. Uh, I never realized how often I use the crowd to, to, you know, take over my call, get out of the way and let the crowd take over. And it makes it so special. So that was the number one thing. Uh, the other thing, and, and I'm sure you, you've, um, you know, gone through this, were simply from a remote when you're doing a game off a monitor we're simply not as good and you have to understand that and and accept it going in that you're not going to be as good because you're you're not in control of seeing everything um let me throw a question back at you did you realize how much you look off the ball during the course of a telecast all of a sudden i i realized how much off the ball i was and not looking at just where the ball is all the time now when you're doing it off a monitor you better have your eye on the ball the, the whole time. So there's a lot of adjustments. Uh, I, I think the technology and the production crews have done an amazing job to make it easier for us. Um, but it is a challenge every time you call a game remotely. It, it is a challenge. And it's even to the point now where I, I'm getting messages from referees saying, we wish you were courtside, which that's another thing that we miss because both you and I have good relationships with referees that we can call them over get an interpretation or an understanding. And there are some times where things are being reviewed or challenged and we're almost the last ones to know because, because we are not around. And, and, and that has been a challenge. Throw a question back at you. A lot of our colleagues are very concerned that remote telecasts may be the wave of the future. I, I hope that we can be courtside again next year, assuming that everybody's vaccinated and, and, and we're through the pandemic. Do you think we're back next year? I do. Uh, I think at least the, the, the people I've talked to in the industry, they realize that having the announcers there uh, is it's night and day the difference. Uh, we're there to give the people at home experience of what it's like to be in the arena, uh, to give them the feel of what's going on and not just the numbers, but, but the body language and, and the atmosphere and the tension and the, and the celebrations, everything. 
uh, we're there to give them that feel. And it's impossible to do it uh, from, from my basement, which I've called some games. And I think most people understand that. Clearly, finances are, are part of everything. But hopefully, now that we're getting back to some semblance of normal life, um, that everybody will be back in the business of making money and, and we can get back to where we, we need to be. And that's either courtside or at least at the very least in the arena. All right, Mike, let's talk about the New York Knicks. It's one of the few teams the Grizzlies have not seen at all. It's obviously a much improved New York Knicks team. Give us a sense of the impact that Tom Thibodeau has had on the franchise. Obviously, the on-court performance has improved greatly, but what has he brought to this Knicks franchise? Well, I'll, I'll tell you something. We, we were Before we came on, we were talking about uh, Billy Packer, the, the great analyst of college basketball. One year, Billy Packer worked in the C, for CBS in the NBA playoffs. He had never done NBA games, and he worked in the playoffs. And somebody asked him, after going through that, um, what surprised you about the NBA? And he was always so pro-college, and he was, had a little anti-NBA uh, feeling about him. And he said, I had no idea how important coaching was in the NBA. I thought it was just the talent. And I'll never forget that. And, you know, we're around it all the time, and we see it all the time. The difference between quality coaching and mediocre coaching is incredible. And that's what we're seeing right now in New York. What Tom Thibodeau has done, he has completely turned around the mindset he has completely turned around the mindset, not only of the players, but the organization. And um, he's done an amazing job, both from a team standpoint, but just as importantly, from individual standpoint. Guys, their whole game has changed in terms of their approach, in terms of their expectations, in terms of their confidence. So that's, that's number one. That's number two and number three reason why the Knicks have turned it around this year. And Julius Randle is having a phenomenal season. So I would imagine that that Thibs's influence has reached him in his attention to detail, and it's resulted in improved production. You know, it's funny. Um, he, last year, he averaged just under 20 and right around 9, 10 rebounds a game. And normally, I would say that a guy who did that last year is not up for most improved, but he is one of the leading candidates for most improved. Now, I, I give Thibodeau a lot of the credit. But Julius Randle deserves just as much for what he's done. The amount of work he put in in the offseason, he changed every part of his game, his handle, his conditioning, his shots, um, his mindset in terms of leadership. Uh, he's done everything. I, 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 I'm, it's scary to think where the Knicks would be without him. And to see a player like this um, who completely redid his game in so many different ways, it's a credit to him. And a big part of it, Pete, is he's never played in a playoff game. So he's tired of the season ending in mid-April uh, when the regular season ends, and he did something about it. And I think one of the biggest things he's done is he's changed his shot selection. Um, we talk all the time about uh, guys who can shoot um, and, you know, they have great form. Are they great shooters? The biggest thing in terms of whether a guy's a good shooter or not is his shot selection. And Julius Randle has turned that around in a big way. A lot of people here in Memphis want to know about Derrick Rose and the impact he has had on that team and his his uh, reunion with Tom Thibodeau. Well, the trust factor with, with Thibodeau and, and Rose is immense. So Derrick is at his happiest when he's playing, um, playing with Tom Thibodeau. But you know what it's like, too. It's like you bring in talent. Now, was he the same explosive player that won the MVP? No. But he is so talented. And you bring in talent and put it on a roster that needs talent it lifts everybody up. So when he's out on the floor, whoever the other four are out there with him, 
they're better because they're playing with this type of talent. And he's also embraced his new role. There are a lot of great players who, as they get on in their career, they don't embrace that role, uh, being a part-time player, coming off the bench, being a mentor to the younger players. He's embraced that. And, you know, he lost it with the, with the knee injuries. And now he's appreciative of being able to play night in and night out. Great to catch up with Mike Breen. Great broadcaster, great person, great friend. Uh, and uh, really enjoy his company anytime we get a chance to chat. That's just part one of our conversation, by the way. Part two will air in episode 28, which will come out on Monday. We'll talk about NBA storylines, the chase for the championship. Uh, also about his broadcast partner, Walt Clyde Frazier, and his style sense. And I'm also going to ask Mike a question because he's worked with so many fantastic analysts in his NBA career. Uh, if there is somebody else that he would like to work with, is, is there an analyst on his bucket list? And uh, I do have two analysts on my bucket list, and, uh, but I won't tell you who they are now. You'll have to listen to our conversation because I tell Mike who my bucket list contains when it comes to uh, another analyst. Love working with Brevin Knight. Love him like a brother. But if I had an opportunity to work with these two people for one night, I think it'd be pretty cool. Uh, so that's coming up in the next edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Today's edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind has been brought to you by Garner Framing Company. They ask if there was one thing you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? If that answer is yes, here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. 800 youth in Memphis are waiting for your decision to taste. So don't delay. Join the movement. Become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. This message brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years. They're a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. They're doing framing consultations by appointment. Call Chris Garner at 901-685-7796 and tell him that you heard about it on the Grizz Weekly Grind. We thank Garner Framing. We thank the Hoop City Basketball Club and DraftKings Sportsbook as they have presented to you the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.